Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Experts say that China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They will soon have over half the world's wheat. What does this mean for you and me? Two words, food shortages. That's why you should stock up on the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food. Create your own stockpile by using the code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. Four Patriots Survival Food is hand-packed in the USA with different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and taste. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use the code G-R-E-G-G to get 10% off your first purchase of Four Patriots Survival Food. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. There is mounting evidence that Joe Biden not only knew about his son's influence peddling schemes, but the big guy was an active participant who often met with Hunter's clients and partners. The House Oversight Committee discovered yet another encrypted message from the president's son to a Chinese official who is linked to the Communist Party. In it, Hunter demands $10 million in promising, quote, the Bidens are the best I know at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership. The best at what? Selling access and promises of influence, acting in the best interests of America's adversary? Whatever they were selling, documents show that the Bidens banked tens of millions of dollars doing it. Joe Biden continues to insist he knew nothing about his son's corrupt schemes to profit from his father's powerful office as vice president. But the evidence belies Joe Biden's claims. Records, photographs, White House logs, and testimony from Hunter's partners show that the father was involved. Tracking the money trail has not been easy. But the House Oversight Committee is making progress unraveling the complex web of shell companies and LLCs that were employed to hide enormous sums of overseas cash transfers. In addition to potential violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and the Foreign Agents Registration Act, both of which are felonies, the government was defrauded out of millions of dollars in unpaid taxes for which Hunter Biden will not be prosecuted. Congress is duty-bound to investigate what appears to be a clear case of preferential treatment and political influence as described by whistleblowers. Two Biden-appointed U.S. attorneys reportedly blocked bringing charges against the president's son in Washington, D.C. and California. At the same time, Attorney General Merrick Garland failed or refused to grant Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss the special counsel authority he should have been given a long time ago. Don't expect the truth from Garland, Weiss, or any of the Bidens. They've been running a protection racket to cover up suspected crimes. And now they're obstructing their obstruction game. 
Joining me now to discuss it is Brett Tolman, a former federal prosecutor. He served as U.S. attorney in Utah. Brett, great to have you on the brief. Um, what about, you know, I don't think we're going to get the truth from Attorney General Merrick Garland. I don't even think we're going to get the full explanation and truth from the Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, and we're certainly not going to get it from the Bidens. Uh, what say you? Greg, thanks for having me on. I, you know, I had hoped that uh, DOJ over the course of the last 20 years would not uh, go down the path that we're, we're all sort of watching and, and mortified by. And that's this, uh, you know, this political path. And Merrick Garland has turned out to be the worst political animal. Um, hard to imagine that he was, you know, going to make the D Department of Justice more political. Um, but he did. And uh, right now, it's embarrassing that the only avenue of insight into maybe the, the most corrupt, you know, administration and the most corrupt president and family uh, in the history of this country is coming through oversight through Congress. Um, that's the, the clumsiest of tools to try to get to the bottom. And yet without it, we would not know nearly what we know. Um, and it's it's offensive to those of us that served in the department to see both a U.S. attorney that I have I have plenty of issues with uh, in, in U.S. Attorney Weiss and a an attorney general in Merrick Garland, who in, in all reality, you know, if you if you really want to call for an impeachment of an official, um, Merrick Garland is at the top of the list. One of the things that I find so outrageous is that Merrick Garland long ago should have named a special counsel to give that individual independent prosecutorial authority. Instead, he's, he simply verbally assures us, oh, yeah, he, ha he had the uh, authority, which is belied utterly by the whistleblowers who were intimately involved in the investigation and potential prosecution of Hunter Biden. If you read federal regulations, it requires under these circumstances, the attorney general to not just recuse himself, but to name a special counsel to at the very least avoid the appearance of impropriety. I mean, here you have an AG who reports to Joe Biden, and yet he presides over an investigation of Joe Biden's son and documents seem to implicate uh, Merrick Garland's boss. I are, are you in agreement that it was outrageous that Garland failed or refused to name a special counsel, notwithstanding written demands by members of Congress to do so? Yeah, Greg, I, I even go back before Merrick Garland, though. Uh, Bill Barr had the opportunity to appoint a special counsel on his way out. Agreed. Um, the the FBI knew they knew that the the um, the allegations had come in on his failure to register as a foreign a foreign agent, uh, um, and there were other allegations of tax issues. Bill Barr could have done that. He said publicly he didn't see reason to, and and that I'm, that's jaw dropping now in hindsight as we look back that he was not willing to do so. Then Merrick Garlic comes in. The first thing he should have done was recognize that you're. This is an investigation about the president's son. The, the executive branch is compromised if you don't have someone that has independence from the attorney general. 
and a special counsel does. And I, I looked at the hypocrisy, but it's, it's worse than that because Greg, you highlighted what I think is significant here. The, the allegation that Merrick Garland, you know, lied to Congress is really, really important because what he lied about was that he had given full authority to, to U.S. Attorney Weiss to bring a case anywhere in the country. The reality is that's, that's not possible unless you make him special counsel or you appoint someone from Maine justices, uh, uh, prosecutors to assist him so that they could go into any other jurisdiction they needed to. That didn't happen. So his statements are not only hollow, but they are in, indefensible and inconsistent with what the truth is. And, and undermined completely by two IRS whistleblowers who were involved in the case for five long years. Uh, and, you know, they cite a meeting October 7th of last year in which David Weiss shows up and there are about a half a dozen people at the meeting that can corroborate this. Uh, and he says a couple of things. He says, I- I'm not the person who has deciding authority on whether to prosecute Hunter Biden. Uh, and second of all, he goes on to, to say that he asked for special counsel status uh, from Garland's Department of Justice and was denied it. And Gary Shapley, uh, the supervisor, a whistleblower, asked him to repeat that because he thought it was so important. And, and Weiss did. Now, all of a sudden, you've got Weiss sending off three different letters to Congress, simply denying all of it. What do you make of that? You know, I was uh, it was it was really an eye raising moment to see that a whistleblower would come forward. As you know, Greg, it's very, very rare to have someone out of our law enforcement, federal law enforcement agencies, IRS, FBI, DOJ to come forward as a whistleblower, because there's so many ways in which they can make your life miserable and retaliate against you. And it's a it's a club that you don't you know, you don't you don't go against. When I when I went from being a federal prosecutor and U.S. attorney and left and went into private practice, I represented an individual on a, on a criminal case. And I had half a dozen of my former colleagues call me a traitor because I had turned a defense attorney. I mean, imagine then what their sentiment is if you're an inside, you know, still in the, the fold and you come forward with this. And this was no ordinary agent. Shapley is a supervisory special agent with the IRS. He, he has no reason to do this. His, his course is, is uh, ahead of him. He's got early retirement when he wants it. There is no reason for him to do this but for how outrageous and egregious the conduct was of Weiss and, and the DOJ. So people need to understand this is not just a whistleblower looking for attention. He puts everything on the line, his whole career. You don't do that unless you are firmly on the right side. And he is. And now we know that DOJ is as bad as any arm of the government in terms of being willing to forego the facts and an investigation. Instead of, instead of Elliot Ness, we, 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 have, we, we now have a crime family that's able to run the Department of Justice. And, and it's outrageous. And, and some of the uh, evidentiary facts that Gary Shapley has revealed are contained in his contemporaneous notes and an email that he sent to everybody who attended that um, October 7th meeting of, of last year. And 
And, you know, at the end of it, he says, uh, you know, let me know if this is accurate and true. And uh, his boss, uh, you know, emails back and says, you got it all covered, Gary. So, (laughs) you you know, you do have witnesses to uh, substantiate what Shapley and Mr. X, who's the second whistleblower, who is the longtime case agent Mm -hmm. uh, on the Hunter Biden investigation. So, I mean, in other words, are you going to believe Merrick Garland and David Weiss? Or are you going to believe the whistleblowers whose testimony is uh, apparently will be corroborated by some, if not all, of those who attended that pivotal meeting? Yeah. And, and as you, you're pointing out, not a lot of people recognize, but that you're, you're highlighting the credibility of the evidence and, and why it would be so damning to Merrick Garland and, and Weiss, because it's written at the time when the meeting happens. He's asking for confirmation. There's no email that says, Hey, you got that wrong. That's not what I recall Weiss saying. Yeah. Instead, you got it right. That is what was said. So he's either lying then, which Weiss has no reason to lie about the fact that he doesn't have authority and that he can't, he didn't get appointed and they refused to appoint him. He has no reason to lie at that time, but he does have reason to lie now. He has reason to lie because he doesn't want to go against the attorney general. He wants to stay on as U.S. attorney. They'll cling to those positions for as long as they possibly can. And, and, and instead, you know, of someone stepping up and saying, you know, this whistleblower is accurate. I was stifled. I was shut down the investigation, you know, whether it was the assistant U.S. attorneys that were, were trying to push the investigation away from Joe Biden or whether it was the top brass at the Department of Justice. I was shut down and did not was not able to do what I needed to do. Instead, he's he, he wants to still be part of the winning team in DOJ. What is also so stunning is that uh, the IRS team had probable cause to conduct a variety of search warrants that were going to take place in Northern Virginia, a storage unit uh, held by Hunter Biden, um, his residence at his father's uh, property in Delaware. They were going to do uh, search warrants out in California and elsewhere. And there was this day of action where where they were going to conduct these raids. And a couple of things happened. Uh, Leslie Wolf, the assistant Delaware U.S. attorney, said, oh, you know, we can't go into the uh, Biden property in Delaware. That would be bad optics. And the other is that uh, apparently she or somebody else at the U.S. attorney's office in Delaware tipped off Hunter Biden's lawyers about the impending raid on the storage unit, which, of course, ended up being uh, fruitless because, I mean, the defense could have moved the documents, destroyed the documents, so they never went about serving that particular search warrant in, in Northern Virginia. None of them were actually served. And also part of the day of action was they were going to approach Hunter Biden and other witnesses. And guess what? They were all tipped off in advance. I talk about the definition of obstruction and corruption. I mean, that fits like a glove in my mind. Greg, I'm aware of at least two cases where the Department of Justice prosecuted lawyers, um, prosecuted police officers, prosecuted prosecutors, 
who turned and and informed targets of intended course of action in the in an investigation. Now, if there was ever a case that screamed it, it's to go after individuals like this AUSA or others if they tipped off the defense team or if they shut down an investigation. It's obstruction of justice, as you indicated. But more than that, they should be interested in going after, you know, their own cleaning up their own backyard. Individuals that would notify a defense, you know, a defendant and their defense team is more than just this isolated obstruction of justice. They're actually part of then a conspiracy to protect a, a crime syndicate in, in the Biden family. And when have you ever heard of the Department of Justice not wanting to execute a search warrant when they have probable cause? I mean, it, it is so rare because that is the bread and butter of what prosecutors and agents do is, is search warrants. Now, they might not bring a case. They might not have the evidence. But to do it at that stage of the investigation, that's what screams to you that they were they were trying to cover for the Bidens. Yeah, a protection racket. I mean, the yes. fix was in. A sweetheart plea deal for Hunter Biden and uh, obstructing any ability uh, of the IRS to ask questions about Joe Biden's involvement. Uh, I mean, Rob Walker, one of Hunter's partners, sat down for the only interview with the IRS. And, uh, you know, in steps a prosecutor who says, no, 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 you can't ask about the big guy and Joe Biden's involvement in these influence peddling schemes. I mean, that is political interference. That is preferential treatment. Uh, that's politics at its worst in a place the Department of Justice, where there should be no politics uh, whatsoever. I want to ask you about, so Gary Shapley, the lead whistleblower, served a search warrant on Apple and obtained a WhatsApp uh, encrypted uh, communication message between Hunter Biden and a Chinese business uh, partner who had direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party. And in it, Hunter Biden is, is threatening the guy. Uh, you know, you have to complete our deal. In other words, hand over the money. My dad's sitting right here in the room and we will seek vengeance against you if you don't do it. Uh, and since then, the House Oversight Committee discovered yet another encrypted message from the president's son to a Chinese official linked to the Communist Party. In it, Hunter demands $10 million and promising, quote, the Bidens are the best I know at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership. Um, what's your assessment of, of those encrypted messages? You know, we don't always catch the bright ones, but this is uh, this is a next level uh, of, of stupidity. Uh, and, you know, despite what Joe Biden says about the intelligence of his son, I mean, this is the kind of evidence you pray for when you're trying to build a quid pro quo corruption uh, case. And and it's just sitting there in, in plain open. You, you know, rarely do we have a situation. Usually it's in a phone call or it's, you know, the evidence and, and that kind of a communication takes place without a record. Not here, not with Hunter Biden. 
he puts it all down in a, in a, in a text message. This should be the thing that flips everybody in the media and flips those skeptics about the, you know, whether this is real or not. This is that kind of smoking gun evidence you put in front of a jury and the, they then go out and deliberate for 15 minutes and come back with their, their guilty verdict. And, you know, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, um, all of the most serious crimes that Hunter Biden appears to have committed, th- those have all been sort of washed away. Uh, and in fact, in this five year long investigation, which by itself is utterly absurd, um, when two Biden appointed U.S. attorneys in California and Washington, D.C. blocked bringing the most serious felony charges against Hunter Biden, the statute of limitations was allowed to lapse. Yet more evidence of political interference and corruption? Yeah, you you know, it's the shake your head moments when you start to hear this. Uh, There was a time in which no other U.S. attorney uh, was going to, you know, be uncooperative or, or helpful in, an, in another U.S. attorney's investigation. I have my doubts whether or not Weiss, um, you know, fully investigated and, and, and whether or not, you know, it was always known a wink, wink and a nod that this is what all the U.S. attorneys that were going to do under, under Merrick Garland, that they were going to shut down the most serious parts of this investigation. And Greg, let's face it, there's, there are still crimes that can be investigated. You've got bank fraud that has a much longer and extended, um, you know, uh, statute of limitations, money laundering and conspiracy that they could be investigating, but they won't. They, they thought they could, they could do this sweetheart plea deal and get a couple misdemeanors and, and claim he's accepting responsibility for his criminal behavior. And nobody would nobody would say anything about it. And, you know, it's just not the case because we can smell we can smell a rat when we when we know it. And and that's what we're dealing with right now in this resolution. You listen to pundits and they say, oh, well, you know, Weiss is Weiss is is uh, objective and fair because he was appointed by Donald Trump. (laughs) Well, that's not exactly true. He was actually first appointed. Uh, as acting U.S. attorney by none other than Barack Obama. Uh, And, you know, it it strikes me that Weiss is the kind of guy who had no problem at all stretching out an investigation that should have taken, I don't know, five weeks or five months into five (laughs) years. That allowed him to stay in a coveted office, didn't it? Yeah. And and let's just face it, you know, Trump comes into this and uh, he's not at the at the, at that time. He's not that savvy in terms of Washington, D.C. politics. And when he's told, hey, there's a good guy that's there as acting U.S. attorney and the senators from the state want him. Uh, it used to be tradition that you you gave the U.S. attorney's position was not political. And so you you gave the senators their pick. That's no longer the case, and it's dangerous now because people are willing to use politics to, to influence their judgment, like Weiss did. All right. As, as we sort of wrap up our, our discussion here, where do you see this going? I see, the, I see Congress and Jim Jordan and Comer and, uh, and others, Chuck Grassley, getting more determined to get answers. Um, I see more whistleblowers coming forward. I see additional evidence coming. I see eventually there might be, so, you know, some some substantial and significant reporting. You already heard rumors that they were tempted to pull back and delay the plea resolution. 
Um, you know, let's hope that the judge rejects it and that uh, perhaps a more honest investigation goes forward. But I'm not I'm not hopeful of that, Greg. We we don't have the political uh, willpower in the two most important places in order to, to to make sure that justice comes. And it may it may wait until we actually have control of either the House and the Senate or we take back the White House when someone can appoint a special counsel to really dig into the corruption of the Biden family. And so in the end, the same, you know, bureaucratic agencies and departments, the DOJ, the FBI, that helped perpetrate the great Russia hoax uh, are sort of at it again, engaging this time in protecting Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and others who were implicated in what appears to be nothing more than influence peddling schemes, leveraging and profiting off a public office by selling promises of access and future influence. And, you know, that has to, it seems to me, incite with anger any honest person who looks at this objectively. I think it's well stated. I, I think you're right on the money. I think that we are living in a time in which Congress is perhaps the only entity that can rein in now the scope and the mission of the FBI and and try to try to get rid of. We need to put teeth in the inspector general. We need investigations to go forward to take away those individuals out of put take out of position those people that are are causing a lot of the the politicization of these important agencies. And until we do that. Uh, they'll continue to operate in this manner. Brett Tolman, many thanks for joining us on The Brief. Former federal prosecutor served as U.S. attorney in Utah. Brett, it's always great talking to you. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks, Greg. Great to be with you. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.